Euh, dites donc, Nadej, euh, comment aviez-vous recruté le nouveau si rapidement la dernière fois Bah, LinkedIn. Ah bon, parce que là, j'ai besoin de toute urgence d'un ingénieur en IA. Alors, où est-ce qu'on peut le trouver Bah, LinkedIn. Mais j'ai pas le temps de voir mille candidats, moi. Comment on va faire Bah, LinkedIn. Bah, 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 bah. Vu l'urgence, vous êtes vraiment confiante, Nadej Bah, oui. Avec 8 personnes recrutées par minute sur LinkedIn, pour tous vos recrutements, il y a, bah, LinkedIn. Pour en savoir plus, rendez-vous sur linkedin.com slash je recrute. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Pediatric Research Podcast for November 2016. I'm Kerry Smith. We know that drugs can work differently in adults and in children. But newborns? They're often excluded from studies of medicinal products. We don't know how a lot of drugs affect them. The number of studies into how drugs work in neonates has increased in the last couple of decades, but clinicians need more specific guidelines as to how to study and use drugs in this vulnerable population. Robert Ward is a professor emeritus of paediatrics at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. He chaired a consortium of pharmacologists, paediatricians from academia and the pharmaceutical industry, clinical trial specialists and ethicists, and together they created a white paper to guide clinical trials of medicines in neonates. I called him in Salt Lake City and started by asking him what the current guidance is like. Well, actually, that's one of the major issues that we wanted to address, is that there actually is not a specific guidance, at least in the U.S., for how to study drugs in newborns. This uh, newborns, because of the improved survival, are a unique pediatric population. Um, you know, babies are now surviving at just past half of gestation, at a point when the their organs for clearing the drugs from their bodies, as well as responding to drugs, are very immature, and so we have to really repeat the studies that were even done in term newborns in this more immature population to understand how to use the drugs safely and effectively. So obviously you can't learn something from an adult patient and transfer that to a newborn, but you can't even transfer what you know from a full-term newborn to a, a premature baby, for instance. That's that's correct. And, and even the definition of a newborn has become a problem as well. The, the traditional definition was a newborn was a, an infant or a, or a child who was less than 28 days of age, and after that they were then considered an infant. If a baby's born at 24 weeks gestation, they would only be 28 weeks of development when they would become an infant by that definition and would really not be well served by uh, the studies that Uh, describe how drugs work and are cleared by infants. So we know enough to know that these two populations uh, and newborns compared to other populations respond differently. What are some of the ways in which we know already that they re respond differently to drugs? Uh, 
they have unique illnesses uh, such as uh, lacking surfactant uh, in their lungs that causes respiratory distress syndrome. Uh, their hearts uh, do not respond as readily as older children and adults to drugs that make it beat more forcefully. Uh, their G gastrointestinal function is immature as well. The, the very small ones that are so immature have a total blood volume of, of less than two ounces, around 50 milliliters. Uh, so taking samples of their blood to determine how fast a drug is uh, being cleared from the body is, is quite a challenge. Yeah, it would be like taking a pint from a grown adult, wouldn't it? Yep, <laughs> it would. It would. And and so there there are significant limits in that, but the specialists in pharmacokinetics and pharmacometrics, as we describe it, uh, have developed approaches to do that, and we've outlined those in these guidelines. In terms of the history of this, you said that there's no, there aren't any, you know, robust guidelines perhaps right now in the U.S. for how to study and use drugs in this very vulnerable population. Um, is there anywhere else you can look for examples, and what's the history of trying to get some guidance? Uh, we passed our first incentive law in 1997, and and Europe's regulation was passed, I believe, in 2007. Both are directed at increasing pediatric studies, but when we analyzed those in 2014, uh, we realized that they had been less effective than we expected in developing studies in newborns. Uh, a friend, Matt Lowen, uh, at Duke, uh, analyzed... Uh, both the label changes uh, related to pediatrics and to newborns, and the, then the use of the drugs that had undergone those label changes in a population of 446,000 NICU patients. Uh, so he provided, and his group provided, then a very comprehensive analysis, and it turned out that of the drugs that had been studied in newborns, only only. 7% of those um, were actually used in newborns. And there were only 28 drugs out of 428 drugs that had actually been studied in the newborn. So even though we had made a great deal of progress in pediatric studies, uh, the newborns had been still left behind. The first guide, guidance document for studying drugs in pediatric patients was published by the FDA in 2014, and in that document, there were less than 10 mentions of newborns. What do you think has stopped people so far from being able to assemble such guidelines, and what what stopped um, previous regulators from writing a report without more mentions in it? <clears throat> um, I think I think regulators, uh, investigators, are frankly frightened of studying drugs in newborns. Uh, there are uh, at, the, at the FDA there are literally only a handful of specialists in newborn medicine out of a, a, a group of over 30,000 um, people at the FDA, and it's a very unique area of medicine. Uh, they they um, I have received um, what are called written requests for studies of new medications in the pediatric population, and when they extend those to newborns, they often have really a very small number of newborns, and they will ask for studies in 
children who are full term, that is over 36 weeks gestation, and then maybe 8 to 10 patients who are premature. That kind of a study simply is inadequate to guide me as a clinician in how to use that drug effectively and safely in the very immature populations that are surviving today. And what what would you like to change then about how we, I suppose, first study and then subsequently use drugs in this population? In in this uh, the guidelines that we've written, we describe uh, studying uh, the particular populations uh, of premature newborns at different gestations, uh, at points where their development changes rapidly so that we can understand how fast they clear the drug from their bodies. There are examples of specific medications that are cleared more rapidly by the newborn than they are by adults, although we usually expect that it will be cleared much more slowly and require less frequent doses to be administered and smaller doses. So that it's both... Um, studying how fast the drug is cleared to determine what doses, as well as determining that the drug is really effective uh, for the disorder that we're trying to treat uh, because of this difference in organ responsiveness of this immature population. Of all the patients that come through a given hospital, it must be there must be something even more emotional about dealing with these very new and and premature babies. I mean, there are lots of ethical considerations, aren't there, to setting up clinical trials with a population like this? There there are, and uh, the uh, group that we assembled uh, to uh, help write these guidelines included uh, pediatric ethicists uh, just because of that. And and we included parents as well, and nurse practitioners who are working at the bedside with these infants. It is emotional, uh, but... What we've seen over the last, oh, three, four decades since I've been in newborn medicine is that the survival of these infants has increased dramatically. Uh, they, they still are at risk for long-term developmental problems and for significant injuries at birth, but those are not as, as devastating as they, as they once were. Uh, we've made improvements. Uh, we have much better equipment to support them. Uh, and I think we're also uh, increasingly attentive to the input of parents in the newborn ICU, and to and we think that's crucial to uh, our evaluation of how to study the drugs as well, that the parents' opinion matters a great deal. Robert Ward, who's Professor Emeritus at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. A summary of the white paper appears in Pediatric Research this month. Find it at nature.com slash PR, where you'll also be able to access the whole document. This is my final episode of the Pediatric Research podcast, but never fear, I'm leaving you in capable hands, so check back early next year for the next episode. I'm Kerry Smith. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.